Hello, I am David Osman. On behalf of the Independent Research Forum, welcome to this IRF podcast. With me again today is Ron William of RW Advisory. Our subject for this podcast, Global Financial Markets, Recent Trends and Future Prospects. The Independent Research Forum promotes a wide range of top quality independent research and alternative data providers from around the world, both micro and macro. Some are stock pickers, some are sector specific, some are country specific, many are global and all are investment related. Past trends in the financial markets provide some clues to future trends. Sometimes the recent trends seem obvious and the future trends seem easy to predict, even when they are not. All too often, recent trends can be contradictory, perplexing, and their future direction uncertain. At the start of this year, global financial markets appear to be searching for a definite direction against a background of heightened geopolitical risks and tentative economic forecasts. In my opinion, there are very few people as good as Ron William when it comes to the analysis of financial market trends and shedding some light on the prospective investment outlook. Ron William is a market strategist with over 20 years of experience working for leading economic research and institutional firms, producing macro research and trading strategies. He specialises in blended, top-down, semi-discretionary analysis driven by cycles and by his proprietary timing models, which use both quantitative and qualitative techniques. Ron, welcome back. Let's start with a short introduction to the service that RW Advisory provides to your various clients. Thank you for the kind uh, introduction. The service of RW Advisory is based on an approach which is global, macro, semi-discretionary, anchored in behavioral economics and tactical analysis, driven by cycles and proprietary market timing overlays, using a blend of qualitative and quantitative models. Our edge is offering differentiated alpha capture strategy, insightful idea generation overlays, often non-consensus, grounded by a resilient cross-asset model portfolio. And just a quick word on our cycles framework, which is the real edge that we uh, continue to demonstrate to clients, is this adapted cycle schema based on the roadmap signature work of mentor Robin Griffiths. These cycles primarily influence global sentiment, policy, and markets, with each cycle itself being unique, but when aligned, creating that tidal wave effect or so-called crisis opportunity. A rundown of the latest cycles here and now, our big picture composite cycle, which predicted the 2020 shock first and foremost, but then also that it would be worse than the 2008 GFC, continues to predict a multi-year transition, even though equity markets are at all-time highs and risk assets remain elevated from last year, the divergences remain. Second in line, our contractive wave cycle, which impacts rates, inflation, an average of 60 years. It predicted the bottom and reversal in 2020, and then the breakout from that 40-year downtrend in rates in 2022. And that continues to predict inflation higher for longer, even in this recent bout that we've had back to 4%. And then just lastly, the boom-bust cycle averaging 10 years, currently peaking now, and that'll feature in our discussion today, 
last but not least, seasonality, the baby pattern for cross assets. The Santa Claus rally proved strong in late December, but failed in early Jan. And now we have the worst start to 2024 inequities and cross asset as a warning shot that things are now changing. Turning first to the currency markets, the US dollar trade weighted index, DXY, traded in the main between 100 and 107 during 2023 and is currently around the 103 level. How do you see the DXY index trading this year? What is this likely to mean for various currency cross rates against the US dollar, like the euro, sterling and the Japanese yen? Well, King Dollar continues to be at risk of losing its crown, more so according to our cycle work in 2024. Looking at the dollar index here and now, there is an oversold New Year reaction bounce into the long-term 200-day moving average, currently around 103.5. For those looking at this tactical level, failure which is our expectations beneath this area, will likely resume the decline from October 2023 peak back into a make or break zone that you had just referenced there between 198. A sustained break under here, which is in accordance with our long-term trajectory, will unlock a major dollar topping pattern from 2022. And if you recall, last time we had featured a report at that time calling the dollar top what we called dollar king rock and roll so it had rocked prior and then rolled thereafter and a major top followed that will likely resume and if so below that 100 to 98 support zone it would unlock a big slide into a decade long support level at 95. now for irf listeners who are keen to know what that percentage decline would equate to, it's the equivalent of 8% from here to there, and a net 20% from the major peak of 2022. And just a quick word on some of the macro implications. From a behavioral perspective, this would likely neutralize the typical so-called dollar smile of renewed safe haven flows during periods of volatility or uncertainty. This could also be further weighed by growth slowdown, normalization of of, um, unwind of rates, I should say, and notable but slow de-dollarization trends. And when it comes to the cross rates against the euro, sterling, the yen? Yes, so a quick technical review on those rates. Euro dollar here and now is breaking down lower. The price levels to watch out for at 107 and 105. However, the trend will likely continue sideways based upon the general market action with the dollar index view remaining strong. Remember, euro dollar remains at least close to half of the weighting of the dollar. So essentially, we will get a mirror image of that price action. Looking at the pound, that is continuing to rally higher, close to its 2023 high at 131. And the support level that we're watching is at 120. There is a major bottom that has already taken place in the pound based on an eight-year cycle that we've been monitoring and calling for some years now. And that continues to progress. And then finally, the yen as part of the dollar major mix, that is also at an inflection point 
And of course, we've had the big unwind from the 30-year extremes at 150, still holding strong near 146, but likely to break down lower into the 140 psychological handle. What other currencies look particularly attractive or unattractive at present? I think a lot of the Asian currencies are looking to unwind in the year of 2024 and potentially LATAM being another area of interest. So far, we've seen the majors reverse. But if you think about dollar turns across global currencies, it's been the major currencies first with the rest to potentially follow. And of course, some dispersion along the way. So certainly Asian currencies and LATAM on the radar for interesting moves in the year ahead. With respect to the US government bond market, the yield on the 10-year Treasury note is currently trading around 4.0%, and as such, it is below the 2023 peak of 5.0% that was reached in the fourth quarter of last year. Does this indicate that the peak for bond yields in this inflationary cycle is past? And if so, how much lower could the US 10-year bond yield go this year? Our high conviction view for 2024 is a non-consensus year for both bonds and stocks. So here and now, that suggests that inflation lows are likely already in and will remain elevated, having already declined by half since December 2022. Now, according to that same work at RWA, market sentiment hit a key behavioral inflection point in the last two months of 2023, the months of November and December, across stocks and bonds, which already priced in the so-called Fed dovish pivot, which we're now waiting for. It was likely overly optimistic and aggressive, both in terms of Fed cuts, a potential policy mistake, and recession risk, which is either being priced in as a soft landing or no landing. And certainly our multi-factor framework continues to suggest that we're late cycle. Recession has been delayed, but not avoided with further clarity in the second half of this year, potentially pressured by growth slowdown or a tail risk ahead, which I could comment on in a moment. Looking at US 10-year yields, a surge is expected ahead again during the second half of this year, with a tactical support level right here and now at 4%, offering a rise back to the 5% historic threshold. And the best historical analog that I can put to everyone is the 1970s in terms of the pattern, not the macro backdrop. And during that time, many listeners will recall, or at least know from the history books, that marked a 3 waves of rolling inflation volatility. Wave one already being completed in the dipping or the low phase, preparing for the second larger sequential wave ahead. It also included a big rollercoaster equity market price swing environment alongside a broader geopolitical disruption and heightened risk premium. Now on that Last point, uh, case example, the the Middle East tensions that continue to broaden, the Red Sea strikes, which are impacting global trade and and shipping capacity, has already triggered a record jump of 85% in the last two weeks. And the risk premium insurance of 300 to 500%, which remains elevated even after the latest US-UK-Yemen strike. By comparison with the US Treasury market, 
the UK 10-year gilt yield is currently close to 3.8%. How do you expect gilts to perform this year? Along the similar trajectory as US rates in terms of a move back up higher for longer, but with a divergence, US seems to be leading in terms of the actual tactical performance, but also the sentiment at play. So there does seem to be a divergence taking place, but with the uptrend trajectory in terms of higher rates for longer. Now, I'm just going to cite some levels to help on the tactical side, and that includes the previous highs on the 10-year that would take us up to the 200-day at around 4% and a bit, and the major high at 475 on gilts. Now, the low side of that short-term level would be 3.4% and potentially the 3% handle, but likely to the higher side of those levels cited. Which other bond markets look particularly interesting from your point of view? Japan, most interesting, both tactically, but also from a macro perspective, if and when we uh, experience any changes as the year prevails, particularly how that might impact the yen and Japanese stock markets, which is one of the key equity markets on our radar. And when it comes to the US stock market in this presidential election year, How do you see the S&P 500 index performing, given the relatively narrow tech-related gains in 2023? Do you expect it to break through the 5,000 level for the first time this year? Or are we very close to a double top around the 4,800 level? Well, the market legacy theme song remains Sinatra's timeless classic, Fly Me to the Moon, but (laughs) potentially back as markets unwind from extreme overbought conditions of about plus three standard deviations. So those lyrics aptly symbolize the ongoing irrational exuberant market with S&P 500 extending its rally from November 2023 lows, plus 17%, the largest rally of its kind in 30 years. A lot of people are looking back saying the market performance was 23 odd percent, but actually forgetting that we had a three month drawdown from July into October, which then led to the oversold bounce, the largest of its kind, larger than I had originally expected, but still creating that elastic band asymmetric risk that is now under pressure. As we test the all time high at 48.20 and that 5K randophobia level that you had just cited. Now, what's interesting from a behavioral perspective is looking at market consensus to see you know, any potential trend or dispersion. And right here and now, this year is already showing a 1,000-point dispersion between the bulls and bears. I believe Goldman Sachs is uh, aiming for 5,200, JP Morgan much lower with different macro and risk scenarios. And that suggests, from a behavioral point of view, a pain trade ahead in terms of market view, but also some of those divergent perspectives. Now, many investors enjoyed that FOMO high altitude moon flight experience, but do need to take heed to play on the same metaphor of Neil Armstrong's guidance to always have an exit strategy for your journey back to zero gravity earth. And that's our way of just reminding that nothing moves in a straight line. The markets do move in a behavioral fractal way. And ultimately, there are three key factors that remain pressuring the market. One, momentum extremes. Two, 
rotation fragility, and three, our cycle analysis here and now are suggesting downside pressure from Q2 onwards, where we could get more of a sideways to mean erosion environment with heightened volatility into year-end and further into 2025. 2024 will also be an important election year in the UK, with a general election expected before the year-end. The FTSE 100 index has been mainly trading in a range between 7,000 and 8,000 for several years, with the exception of the sharp fall of rebound during the early COVID period. Currently, the FTSE 100 index is trading around the 7,600 level. Is a move up above 8,000 likely in 2024? Unlikely, according to our work, despite being surprised by the upside of last year, like other experts that had more moderate views on global markets and UK and Europe in particular, looking at the UK market from a tactical and behavioral perspective, it is still sideways and volatile. And those big swings are big to the equivalent of about 10%. So we saw a big swing down, then up, and now we're in the middle. But essentially, the risk is still to the downside, with the key levels being at 7,400 and 7,200. And the a multi-year top pattern or distribution phase, which will likely get triggered if and when we break down lower into the 6,800 level. That's the October low of 2022. And if that were to happen, the price percentage move would be another 12% on the FTSE. That would be a healthy correction that the FTSE could have already undergone last year, but it was, of course, lifted by global markets and just general elevated risk appetite, which, according to our work, remains overdone and likely transitionary. Which other stock markets look particularly attractive or unattractive? Well, to uplift in terms of those opportunities that remain ahead, the light at the end of the tunnel, I think Japan remains an interesting pick as it was last year. And right here and now, rocketing to a new high breakout, if you're looking at the screen, now less than 10% from its 1989 all-time peak, dubbed as the iron coffin lid, but also more bullish blue sky territory if we break it. I know it's a big move if and when that were to happen, uh, but here and now, certainly the technical picture remains strong, likely overbought in the short term, but even if there was an unwind from overbought condition back to the 200-day moving average near around 32,000, that would still serve as a buying opportunity for the medium to long term. Meanwhile, there are also a confluence of structural factors which remain bullish for Japan. Of course, there are always risks and rewards, but in terms of the changing profile of that, you have the theme of return on equity improvement driven by productive capex, better balance sheet management, clearly finding traction with a wider group of international investors, attractive relative valuations, change from the top led by structural reforms as the corporate governance code and institutional investor stewardship code. Also, just as a final point from a, a stock picking perspective, it remains formidable in terms of the roster of world-class firms and new innovation that is also happening in Japan. So these are some of the factors. Of course, it's also amplified by yen depreciation. So the one wild card would be currency and BOJ policy to that view. Which commodities look most interesting from your point of view? 
Well, from a big picture perspective, based upon our cycle framework, commodities remain on the verge of a super cycle. The best way to reference this is to look at a ratio of commodities versus equities, which marks a generational rotation, which previously unwound in favor of commodities more than 20 years ago during the Y2K bubble and 30 years prior during the 1972 Nifty 50 bubble. The latest inflation wave, which remains up for the long term, is also fueled by the long-term structural contractive wave that I had cited at the top as one of our cycle proxies into what we refer to as winter season, amplified by a great debt burden. Now, to be a bit more practical in terms of portfolio guidance, this suggests a market call that we've made for this year, goodbye FANG 1.0, hello FANG 2.0, to play on the, um, the well-known acronym of growth mega cap tech stocks, Uh, look to fade that as they unwind from overbought conditions. Likely performance will hold to a strong degree, but not as before, particularly as they take on additional late cycle headwinds and potential geopolitical risks. Look at the Taiwan elections that just passed and new tensions that may appear in terms of the region, but also technology stocks. Now, going back to this new idea of FANG 2.0, this is a new strategy portfolio mix developed by Bank of America that focuses on industries, not stocks, that can help to weather disruptive markets while also positioning for future innovation. I mention it because a big part of the FANG 2.0 industry complex is commodity skewed. Uh, So it represents fuel, aerospace and defense, agriculture, nuclear, and gold. Look at the benchmarks by Bloomberg, which have just introduced uh, FANG 2.0, previously showed a 60% gain in the recent years. Happy to share more on this portfolio strategy that RW Advisory tracks for clients and, and future reports and podcasts for RAF. But just as a last comment on one commodity that we're very bullish on for now, and that is gold, which continues to shine as its latest multi-year breakout above 2K glass ceiling targets 2,700. We're calling it a transformation period fueled by broad strength against other currencies, weighed by FX debasement and recent bouts of safe haven flows, both default risk and broadening geopolitical tensions that I've touched upon a few times. Ultimately, given that 2024 is likely to serve as a transitory environment, it is likely to bring volatility. So aside from commodities and gold, consider a more prudent barbell strategy with risk asset selectivity, profit-taking, and some downside protection. In parallel, it's naturally wise to also build up a robust defensive play, such as gold just cited, cash, quality bonds, non-correlated portfolio risk, including perhaps Japan and others. Ron, many thanks for this very interesting insight into the RW Advisory Service. We had more time, it would be interesting to discuss in greater detail your tactical analysis and current trading recommendations. It would also be interesting to learn more about your views on some of the other developed and emerging markets. The Independent Research Forum is offering a brief trial to the RW Advisory Service and can provide details of how to subscribe to their full service. More information is available from the Independent Research Forum on request. Thank you for listening to this IRF podcast with Ron William of RW Advisory.